Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Welcome to NBA Today, presented by PNC Bank. This was a season that had so much promise. One of the preseason favorites to start the year, and it all fell apart. I don't even know what's going on no more. Yeah, our expectations, everybody had expectations for us. I know so many people wanted to see us fail. A lot of stuff happened throughout the season that derailed us. Too many things that held us back. I felt like I was letting the team down at a point where I wasn't able to play. I never wanted to just be about me. It became a distraction at times. No regrets. Well, with that, welcome to NBA Today presented by PNC Bank. It's the day that the Nets are cleaning out their lockers and we are putting a bow on the Nets season after the Celtics swept them. No one does a back page of a newspaper better than the Post. Nightmare. That that pretty much sums it up. I'm Malika Andrews, and that is an NBA champion with the Boston Celtics. Mm-hmm. It feels like you should have come in with a ring today, Perk. Let's not waste any time. I need big perks, big list of why the broom came out. Oh, absolutely. You know we got to send them off in good spirits, okay? Here it is. Number three, Steve Nash. Steve Nash didn't make any adjustments in the series. He didn't put guys in position to be successful. He stood there like a statue and hoped that Kyrie and KD was going to bail them out. Coming in at number two. Bring it up. The Celtics defense, right? When you look at Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Grant Williams, it's no other defense that could have held Kyrie and Kevin Durant. Two of the most skilled guys to ever play the game held them and swept them. No other team in the playoffs would have swept this Brooklyn Nets besides the Celtics because of their defense. And number one, distractions. Something that the Nets been dealing with all season long. Starting with Kyrie Irving from the get-go. Not signing the uh, extension. Not choosing not to get vaccinated, which made James Harden mad. James Harden saying, I'm not about to be here and deal with this. All of a sudden, he wanted out. And then you get Ben Simmons. He comes, but he's not, he's not ready to play. Or he says he's not ready to play, but he's making great fashion statements. These are the three reasons why the Nets got swept. This is Big Perk's list. This is why they're going home. Whatever you want to call it, they out. We send them, we send them out with good, with good flowers, whatever you want to call it. Well, don't worry. We're going to get into the Celtic side of this a little bit more. But let's go by the numbers on the Nets getting eliminated first. They became the first team in the last 35 seasons to enter as the preseason favorites to win the title and then not win a single playoff game. So this was the third year of KD Kyrie of their era. And with Durant missing his whole first season and Kyrie being a part-time player this season, and part-time a little bit of last season too, they've only played 58 games as teammates. That's out of a total 247 games possible, including the playoffs. And since Kyrie and KD have been on this Brooklyn roster, 
They're 7-13 and 13 in the playoffs. This is the first time in their careers that those gentlemen have been swept in a series. All right, so with all of that, let's bring in our full panel here. Tim Legler, it's good to see you. Senior writer Zach Lowe joining Perk and I. Gentlemen, there are so many reasons that the Celtics swept the Nets here. So this is what I want to do. I want to give you all 100% of the blame to just mm-hmm. pass around and divvy up as you see fit, like sort of like a pie chart type of deal. And, Zach, you strike me as the most math savvy here, so I'm going to start with you. I'm choosing to be positive today, Malika, at least a little bit positive. So I'm going to give the most credit, not blame, to the Boston Celtics, who, as Perk said, have an impenetrable defense. Jason Tatum was by far the best player in the series. Ime Udoka has done an incredible job adjusting that defense along the way and getting those guys to buy into sharing the ball. They're number one. Enough with the positivity. Now we go negativity. (laughs) Next is Kyrie Irving. The team never got to gel. Wonder why the team never got to gel. Who could know? James Harden, as soon as going got tough and the team wasn't gelling, he got the hell out of there and pouted his way out of town to Philadelphia, who, by the way, is all of a sudden in a dogfight against the Toronto Raptors. And then we have the bottom stuff. Yeah, Steve Nash, was it an A-plus coaching job or an A or an A-minus? No. Has he gotten to coach an actual basketball team for three years? Only kind of, and then management and Simmons have to come in here too because no one gets off when something like this happens. The Ben Simmons situation is complicated. There's mental health issues around it, which are always hard to talk about. But that trade was supposed to pay dividends to some degree this year. Even if it was more about the future, it paid zero. The Nets are out. The Celtics are moving on and looking very much like at least a co-favorite to win the NBA title. Legs? Well, listen, first of all, Zach's a sweeter guy than me. He put something sweet on that pizza talking about the Celtics. That's like some pineapple or something he must have put on I that love pizza. pineapple on okay, pizza. Okay, so, yeah, he did that. I'm not – nothing sweet on my pizza. All right, I'm going to go with the Nets. Six slices divided. Oh, I'm going half of the Kyrie Irving. Here's why. Whether you agree with it or not, that's a show for another discussion about the vaccine mandate and whether he should have gotten vaccinated or not. The bottom line is his decision to do that led to James Harden looking around saying this isn't what I, where I wanted to be, and that started to derail their season. Not to mention the fact he was only available for 30-something games. That, to me, set everything in motion for how this season was going to go. So the vast majority goes there. I go 20% James Harden because if he stays, who knows? If, If they have those three guys together, maybe they still are able to make a run. So once he decided he wanted out, that gets 20% of the blame. I go Sean Marks 15 because this was a very short-sighted, short-windowed approach to how they wanted to do this. And ultimately, he's the guy that made the decision to bring this together. It, it flamed out in historic fashion by getting swept with that kind of talent on your roster. So Sean Marks has to take his 15. I go 10% Ben Simmons because he just never showed mm-hmm. up to play. And maybe he could have helped them in some regard if he ever decided to play basketball at some point before the season ended. for Steve Nash. And look, I know people are beating him up about lack of adjustments and everything else. Bottom line is this. He is a first-year coach. This might have been a little bit too much for him to handle. But the truth is, I don't know if Steve Nash can coach or not because of what he was dealt with, what he dealt with from the time he got there two years ago. And then finally, only 1% KD. I'm not going to lay this in KD's lap because he struggled for three games against the best defense in the league. There's no way I'm putting it on him. He was trying to hold it down and hold it together 
all that time when James Harden wanted out, when Kyrie Irving wasn't playing, with the lack of roster, no Joe Harris. Who was out there? Kevin Durant was the guy trying to hold it together, and he failed at the end, and he's taken, I think, too much blame for the way he played against the best defense in the league. My friends, I, I think Kendrick Perkins' pie looks just a little yep. bit different. It, it, re- it really do. And you know our motto, stay petty so we don't have to get petty. Get ready to get petty, right? Here's the thing, right? I'm going with, on my blame pile, 5% Kevin Durant. 5% Kevin Durant. For the simple fact that when, when I think about KD, not holding people accountable in the organization, including Kyrie Irving. I mean, Kevin Durant has been 100% in, so he get to me, the least amount of blame. 15, 15% goes to Steve Nash for not making adjustments, for not trying to put... Kevin Durant in position during the series to be successful. Listen, the way that the the Brooklyn Nets play transition defense, not getting back, that's a reflection of their coach, in my opinion. And now, 80% of the pie goes to Kyrie Irving because it all started with him from the beginning of the season. So we all know that KD, Kyrie, and James Harden was supposed to all sign contract extensions before the season started. That didn't happen. Okay, then they go into training camp and they have a meeting while they're in training camp and Kyrie tells everyone, hey, I'm going to get vaccinated. And not only did he miss one appointment that they had set up, he lied to him and missed a few other appointments till he finally came out and said, I'm not getting vaccinated and I'm taking my stance. That's his prerogative. All of a sudden now, guess what? James Harden is saying, I don't want to be a part of this. So now we're seeing the ripple effect. Now KD has to push the button because James Harden don't want to be there. Now you trade for Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons comes aboard, and all of a sudden now it's question marks on, hey, Ben, are you going to play? Are you going to come out and try to help us? And all of a sudden, Ben Simmons says, oh, I'm going to just shut it down for the rest of the season. So that was a ripple effect from all Kyrie Irving's action from the beginning of the season. That was a sermon at the Church of Perk right there. My goodness. Mm -hmm. Look, I don't know the details of how it was decided whether or not Kyrie Irving was going to get vaccinated. But at the end of the day, he was not available for the majority of the season. And it's hard to not say that that hurt the Brooklyn Nets here because my goodness we have so much more though on the Nets biggest offseason questions coming up later in the show and don't worry we're going to dive into the Celtic side of things in just a little bit because there's a whole lot that they did right we have so much more to get to though on NBA today including are the Sixers about to blow a three games to none lead one of our analysts says yes Name me. <laughs> Plus, we've still got to preview tonight's unbelievably massive game five between New Orleans and Phoenix. Our crew picks that game next. And Luka Doncic, he put on a show last night while the Jazz defenders were left scratching their heads for answers. But is Dallas a title contender? All that and more. Stay tuned on NBA Today. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. 
Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. NBA Today is presented by PNC Bank. See how we can make a difference. Welcome back to NBA Today presented by PNC Bank. This is not a misprint. Last night's closeout game for Philly in Philly was a 103-88 final score in favor of those pesky Raptors. Did I mention that Fred Van Vliet, he didn't even play in this one? So here's how it went down. It had a whole lot to do with that man that you see right there, James Harden. He struggled in this game, Big Perk. Though you can see getting his pocket picked. He did. The size, the athleticism, the length of the Raptors are able to contain James Harden. Well, and you can see right there, three turnovers through the third quarter, two of eight from the field. It happened over and over again. Let's head to the fourth quarter. Sixers down 11 here. It still felt like a doable comeback, but not if this type of thing keeps happening. Throws away the ball there. And then watch here. James Harden, once again, ball in his hands. Gary Trent Jr., the Raptors' defense length really bothering James Harden here. Scotty Barnes mm. to Pascal Siakam. Very impressive win by the Toronto Raptors yesterday. That was precious Achua, excuse me. And then Ananobi, dagger. Philly just could not overcome this barrage from the Raptors. Here's Joel Embiid on James Harden. I've been saying all season since he got here, you know, he just needs to be aggressive and he, he needs to be himself. Um, you know, that's you know, that's not really my job. Um, you know, that's probably on coach uh, to, you know, talk to him and tell him to, you know, take more shots, uh, especially if they're going to guard me the way they've been guarding. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's really not my job. That's not his job. All right, James Harden has struggled throughout the series. He already has had more turnovers than field goals twice. He's shooting under 37% on two-pointers, mm. the second-worst mark in the NBA. And, and get this, he's 0 for 10 on floaters, and that's one of his favorite shots, Perk. So first things first, Perk, Harden, your thoughts. Well, you know what? Father Time hits every player at a different time of their career. And I think Father Time is catching, is, has caught James Harden right now in front of our very own eyes. When I look at James Harden, he doesn't have the, the speed and the explosiveness to get by guys. He's not able to, to get to the rim and, fizz, and, and, and finish through contact. He's not even able to get separation to get his three-point shot off. And I get it. Everybody want to say Doc Rivers need to put him in position to be successful. But at the end of the day, James Harden has the ball in his hands. Mm. They're running pick and roll actions. He's having the isolation plays. What other position can you put him in to go out there and succeed? Right now, I'm just thinking that the game has caught up to James Harden, the speed, the athleticism of other teams, and this is the, the James Harden that we're going to see from here on out. Okay, so that's your reaction to all this. Legs, mm -hmm. what did you see when you were watching last night's loss by Philly in general? You noticed more than just a subpar Harden, right? Oh, no question about it. Like, this thing's like an onion, a lot of layers, and I think that's a good analogy because people are crying right now in Philadelphia <laughs> over what they watched last night, okay? So, Perk took care of the offensive issues with James Harden. That's obviously a huge part of this series. But listen, you can still win games if you defend at playoff level. And this was so far from that. It was really an atrocity on that end of the floor. Let's just mm -hmm. talk about how easy this was for the Raptors the entire game. Now, look, here you've worked it to a margin that you've got a chance here. 11-point game. Third quarter, four minutes to go. But this is where the small lineups are starting to bother this team. And we stop it right here. So you got Joel Embiid right here. And he is 
this far out on the floor guarding Pascal Siakam. So your shot blocker's at the three-point line, but that's okay. You know that Siakam's going to attack him off the dribble, most likely going to go to his strong hand and try to get downhill going right. That should be okay because take a look at the backline defenders. You've got two guys in position, and by the way, the ball's 30 feet away. You're looking at the play. There is absolutely no excuse right here for Shake Milton not to rotate over and be willing to lay his body on the line outside the lane and willing to take a charge, or at least if he doesn't take the charge, you get over there outside the paint, and now you allow your teammates to sink down, protect you, and then that's going to force a kick out to one of these three players, and then you chase out and try to contest the three. So you've got everything in front of you defensively. There is no excuse for this to happen. Siakam turns the corner, really no movement whatsoever. You finally go too late, you're laying the ball in. Now, take a look at another example, and this one I really love because it's a nine-point game, eight minutes to go, and I want everybody first. I've been in this building a thousand times. Take a look at all these people as the ball's coming up the floor. You know why they start standing up? because they sense it. This is our moment. We cut it to nine, huge possession. Mm -hmm. You're gonna see people right there, right? Everybody's getting on their feet. So let me ask you a question, Perk. What is James Harden doing, fooling anybody into thinking he's gonna pressure the basketball out here at half court? Uh Scotty Barnes is loving this. He is going to go right here, get into this gap. Now, again, you've got four defenders back there. So even though Harden gets beat on a blow by with false pressure at the half court line, Take a look at the rotations. Stop it right here. Look at George Niang. He's on a weak side. He is literally looking over here because he's kind of maintaining his head here. But look look at his vision. He's here. Maxi obviously is going to stay home on a strong side with the shooter right there. So who does that leave? The guy that Scotty Barnes is targeting is your shot blocker, Joel Embiid, in no man's land. The problem is he is guarding the baseline guy right here. So when Embiid steps up, this is an easy lob. And I talk about taking the air out of the building. They're on their feet for about six seconds, and then they all sit back down again because you cut it to nine, and you give up a straight-line dribble drive easy lob with no rotation to make it back to 11 again. It's completely inexcusable. And by the way, guys, when I started talking about doing this touchscreen, usually, you know, I try to find four or five plays. I had 18 plays written down I mm -hmm. could have taken from this game between jogging back in transition or lack of rotation, lack of boxing out, lack of energy, Look at that compared to a team like the Boston Celtics, the way they're defending right now, and it's night and day. And that's why the Sixers find themselves having to go back to Toronto and the pressure mounting on a daily basis. Well, and that's after the Sixers won the first three games of this series against the Raptors. And, and you all know this. No team has ever come back from a 3-0 deficit. But Doc Rivers, his teams have blown three 3-1 series leads. He's the only coach in NBA history to do that multiple times. So I want to bring Perk back in. I want to bring Zach back in. You played for Doc once upon a time, Perk. I'm going to start with you, though, Zach. Just point blank. Are the Sixers going to blow this? I think they're at risk for it more than any team I can remember going up 3-0. Even getting to 3-2 while up 3-0 is really rare. And I'll just say this. I had the other two games on last night as my focus, so I watched this one this morning. And even knowing the result ahead of time, I was stunned by how lifeless the Sixers were on both ends of the floor. It was a grotesque performance. Forget the missed shots and the turnovers for Harden. In the fourth quarter, he looked like he didn't even want the ball. On half their possessions, he didn't even touch it. Joel Embiid, by his own admission, had a really bad third quarter on defense. The bench wings, Shake Milton and Matisse Thibel, are a disaster spacing-wise. That's not working. And Toronto... Nick Nurse wasn't kidding around when he said, someone's going to do it someday, and if we get to 3-1, 
Someone's done that. These guys have no fear. They have a bunch of holdovers on the coaching staff and the team from the championship team of 2019. They're not scared. They think the Sixers will wobble when they punch them in the face. They've punched them now. Game six is going to be crazy in Toronto. And if it gets to game seven, holy moly, is that going to be a dramatic scene? Is this going down in history, Lex? I think it could. I'm not going to be shocked by it at all. And, and this is just a track record. Look, I was there last year for three of those games against Atlanta. They lost three home games. I will never forget blowing a 26-point lead at home. I'll never forget what happened in Game 7 that led to all of this drama with Ben Simmons. Really, was that game, that moment, and that entire series, really. They don't handle pressure well. Look, Doc Rivers has already been a head coach of more teams to blow 3-1 leads. All right, it's unprecedented to blow 3-0, and yet here they are. They've blown two now in a row, and that's only happened 13 times that a team won two games after losing the first three. So he's already treading in areas again that a few teams have seen in history. And now you've got to go back up there. I think that building that environment is going to be too much. I don't think the Sixers are going to win game six. We're coming back home to Philadelphia for a game seven. And the pressure on James Harden, Doc Rivers, and Joel Embiid to get that done may be too much. I will not be surprised if the Toronto Raptors pull this off. Well, well, I'm going to stay with the 76ers. I had them winning in six. I didn't think that this was going to be a cakewalk of a series. I thought because Toronto is a good team. Listen, Joel Embiid was not himself uh, yesterday. And, and when I say that, he was not engaged defensively. He was not, he was not imposing his will on the offensive end. And look, when you look down the stat sheet, all of the 76ers struggled in shooting from Tobias Harris to Tyrese Maxey to James Harden to everybody else. And I just think with a leader like Danny Green in that locker room, who I think who has been playing well in spurts, you do have some leadership there. I think Joel B, he took accountability last night in his postgame interview and said, I was horrible defensively. And for some strange reason, for some strange reason, Although I said Father Time is creeping up or has caught up on James Harden, I think this is going to be his one shining moment in this game six, if it's the one shining moment in NBA basketball. But it's going to be his one shining moment, Legs, Malika, and Zach Lowe, that he's going to come through when it matters the most on the road and help the 76ers win this game. Well, they're going to need him if they want to pull out game six. All right, coming up on NBA Today, we're going to revisit our top story. Still ahead, could Brooklyn be heading toward making some changes this offseason. Bobby Marks is going to join us and answer our questions. And what a game we have tonight in Phoenix. Suns, Pels, Game 5. We're going to make some picks on tonight's winner and tell you why. Plus, Luka's Magic. It was on full display last night, but lost in all of that was Donovan Mitchell leaving with an injury. So that update shortly. All of that and more next. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network. All lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Can I tell you guys my fear? Tell us what your fear is. Inside, Tatum spins. 
My fear is that the Celtics may have figured something out. Do you remember what happened game one between the Heat and the Bucks last year? It was a great game. Chris Middleton had to hit a buzzer beater, I think 0.5 seconds left on the clock. Middleton with two, Middleton, you bet! I was like, oh my God, this is going to be epic. This is going to be excellent. And then they folded for the rest of the series. Redemption for the Bucks. They sweep Miami. This is about Boston. The Celtics have been maybe the best defense I've ever seen. They think they can sweep the Nets right out of the playoffs. Raptors 76ers. And what are you doing, Perk? I'm, I'm cleaning up this mess. You know somebody getting swept. To clean up Ben Simmons, KD, Kyrie. They getting swept tonight. All right, well, I'm going to try not to trip. You, you carry on. Uh Yep. Is this how it's done, Perk? Yep, that's exactly how it's Am done. Am I doing this right? Yeah, yeah. When you when you when you foresee the future and you try to warn people what's gonna happen, and then they tell you, "Oh, Malika, you're a woman. You don't know anything about basketball. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't stick to this, stick to that." And then all of a sudden, what you said exactly happened. But see, you gotta kick them up. You gotta stay there. You don't need to say a word. You just kick them up and you shine like. And yeah. kicking them up in stilettos mm -hmm. at that. I mean, we're we're pretty good at this whole prediction thing. Perk. Yeah, I, yeah, I've been okay. Yeah, you've been okay. All right. Well, it's my turn to say it. Carry the hell on. Ooh, it's hard to get these puppies off there, though. <laughs> All right. Do you need any gloating to get in there, Zach? Are you good? I'm good. Oh. You, you don't gloat because the next time you're going to be wrong, everyone will make fun of you. Let's just move right along. <laughs> Oh, gosh. All right. Well, we're all going to pull that back up then. All right. Gloating over then. In regards to whether or not Steve Nash should return as head coach, here's what the Nets stars and Nash himself said weighing in on the future. I've loved doing this and uh, love these guys. Um, love my staff. Love all the departments. Really had a great working environment. Really enjoyed it and, and want to continue doing it. And just to be clear, do you think that Steve is still the right guy to lead this group? I mean, come on, man. Like, Steve's been dealt a crazy hand the last two years. Like, he'd been, had to deal with so much stuff as a head coach, first-time coach, and trades, injuries, you know, COVID, just a lot of stuff he had to deal with. And uh, I'm proud of how he just focused and his passion for us. So before I was in this seat, my job was to be a beat writer covering the Brooklyn Nets, and I couldn't agree with Kevin Durant more. Steve Nash, it certainly doesn't feel to me like he is the Nets' biggest issue. Is firing Steve Nash, if that is in fact what happens, what turns this whole group around with the same roster, it's really hard to see that being the case. Now, the Nets, they head into an offseason where Ben Simmons needs to get healthy, Joe Harris needs to get healthy, Bruce Brown is a free agent, but the Nets do have his bird rights, and then Kyrie Irving, he has a contract contract extension that Perk talked about to sort out. So apparently the front office is also getting a little bit more crowded. Um, when I say I'm, I'm here with Kev, I think that it really entails us, um, you know, managing this franchise together alongside Joe and, and Sean and um, just our, our group of family members that we have in, in, in our locker room and our, in our organization. We, we're cornerstones here, but, you know, we have been, we have a few other guys that are on contract and, I think we just got to make some moves this offseason, really talk about it, and um, really be intentional about what we're building. What do you think, Perk? You know what? Kyrie Irving mentioned everybody's name except Steve Nash. He mentioned everybody's name for us, the management and getting together except for Steve Nash. See, here's the thing, right? You have to be on one accord, okay? And to me, when I look at the way the Brooklyn Nets play, 
They have zero respect for Steve Nash, meaning staying disciplined in their principles, getting back in transition. To me, Steve Nash, look, I, I listen, he's a great individual, great person, but at the end of the day, this is a business, and he is not the right person for this job. He, you need someone in that seat that those players, especially Kyrie Irving, because he's not going anywhere, is going to respect and listen to. And Steve Nash is not that guy. Listen, it's one thing for the Brooklyn Nets if they would have lost this series uh, to the Boston Celtics and, and put up a fight. They got swept. Well, what do you think of the comments on I'm with Kev and I really think this entails us managing part of this franchise? To well, well, first Kev. of all, Kyrie, listen, I, look, it's so hard. And this is I said I was never going to say anything negative about Kyrie, but damn it, I can't help it. You're not managing anything. You didn't manage this situation right. This is why you're in a, in a uh, position that you're in right now because you have part of managing certain things. And this is what happens. Like, you know, like, it's so hard. You have to bring someone in there that Kyrie Irving is going to respect. It don't matter who you bring in there for Kevin Durant because Kevin Durant is going to respect anybody that's sitting in that seat. But at the end of the day, Steve Nash did not show me anything in this series. I didn't expect him to win it. I didn't expect none of that, but not to win one game. One game? That's hard. I don't know if that all falls on him, though. All right, let's bring in someone who knows a little something about front offices, our resident front office insider, Bobby Marks. And before I ask you your three biggest questions for the Nets this offseason, Bobby, you worked in the Nets front office for 20 years. So quickly, your reaction to Kyrie's interesting postgame sound. Well, the last time I heard someone say that, I wound up getting fired a year later. <laughs> and that was from, I think, Darren Williams said that as far as managing this roster, as far as having an impact, as far as who came and who, who went here. So, yeah, I think it's the players should be part of it. But Kyrie Irving is not the decision maker as far as how this roster is going to be built. I think it's going to he needs to be he needs to show up. That's mm. the big thing here. And. If this Brooklyn team hadn't gotten swept and they got to an Eastern Conference Finals, then yeah, maybe a little bit more input. But in the three years he's been there, he hasn't done anything. So I'm not empowering Kyrie Irving to be the decision maker here. All right, let's get to the brass tax, though. I guess in this case it's actually more of the luxury tax. But the Nets, they have a lot of questions this offseason, right? But you've boiled it down to your three biggest things. So starting with one, Mr. Kyrie Irving, what do you have for us, Bobby? Well, he's going to be back, Malik. I mean, it's, he said in the press conference the Nets really don't have much leverage. I think the big thing is going to be, be as, as far as what the contract's going to be. Is it going to be a four-year, $190 million uh, contract that uh, aligns with what Kevin Durant signed as an extension last offseason? Uh, possibly. Did, will Brooklyn basically just write him a blank check, which is five for 248? I don't see that happening. I think the one thing too, Malik, is will they negotiate? You know, it is okay to negotiate with players these days, and maybe there's a games clause um, added on the back end. Mm -hmm. Maybe Irving has to play 65 games in three out of the three seasons for the fourth year to become guaranteed. And I think that would certainly set a precedent as far as future contracts here. So I think those are the options with Irving. He'll be back, but I think it's just a matter about what kind of contract it's going to be. Okay, so that's the quick breakdown. But if you want the full shebang, you can go check out Bobby's article on ESPN.com or check out his corresponding video on ESPN's YouTube page. Bobby Marks, thank you so much, sir.
All right, still to come on NBA Today, we've got to get you caught up on what Luca did to the Jazz. And more importantly, the health of one Mr. Donovan Mitchell, who left this one early. More on that next. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antscape presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to NBA Today. Let's go to last night's Game 5 in Dallas. Luka Doncic scored 33 points and grabbed 13 rebounds as the Mavs. They crushed the Jazz, 102-77. Luka stuffed the stat sheet and led the Mavs in points, rebounds, assists in his first home playoff game since coming off that cat injury. Now, Luka Doncic, he missed the first three games of the series but came back like he never left. He is back-to-back 30-point games and is leading all players with 31.5 points this postseason. He's also shooting 51% from the field. But on the other side of all of that, Donovan Mitchell, he just couldn't get quite right. He was held to nine points, four of 15 shooting, committed four turnovers, and then to make matters worse, you can see here he limped off the court after his hamstring tightened up. That was late in the fourth quarter. So I want to bring in our senior NBA insider, Adrian Wojnarowski, for more on Donovan Mitchell. Woj, what's the latest on Mitchell's hamstring injury and his availability for Thursday's Game 6? Malika, it it looks like good news for the Jazz. Uh, Donovan Mitchell's MRI was negative. There, There is some bruising around his quad, uh, but with two days off between games five and six, the expectation is Donovan Mitchell will be available uh, to play in that game six. Mavericks obviously lead the series 3-2, but Donovan Mitchell said it last night after the game that he would be fine, he would be ready to play. Uh, The MRI came back clean today, and so Donovan Mitchell, he'll get treatment over the next couple days, uh, and the expectation is he will be available to play with the Jazz's season on the line in Game 6 Thursday in Salt Lake. And they're certainly going to need him if they want to extend this series. Woj, thank you so much. Okay. All right, some Bulls news. Zach Levine, he's entered the NBA's health and safety protocols and will be listed as questionable for Game 5 tomorrow. That's according to Billy Donovan. And... As it pertains to Alex Caruso's status, he remains in concussion protocol, Mm. experiencing symptoms, but Billy Donovan not ruling him out for Wednesday's game. He did not practice with the team today. The NBA playoff first round, it rolls on on Friday on ESPN and possibly ESPN News. We'll have potentially three game sixes for you. We know we'll have Grizzlies, Timberwolves. Who wants the smoke? The Nuggets, they have to avoid elimination again against the Warriors and the Bulls. They have to do the same against the Bucks. Yeah, both of them going home. (laughs) When we return on NBA Today, do we need to start viewing Jason Tatum as one of the NBA's top five players, elite of the elite? We'll discuss next. Stay tuned. You're watching NBA Today, presented by PNC Bank. One of the preseason favorites to start the year, the Brooklyn Nets, and it all fell apart. When it ends like that, you start thinking about a whole year. Still asking why. 
mean, I was out, Kev was out, James was traded. It's just a combination of things that happened throughout our year. A lot of stuff that happened throughout the season that needed to go well in order for you to be a good team. A lot of things didn't go our way. So on the final day of the regular season, the Celtics, they had a choice before their matchup with the Grizzlies. Option one, play for a win, lock up the two seed, and then likely face the Nets in round one. Option two, play for a loss, drop in the standings, and get a struggling Bulls team. Boston chose option one. They blew out the Grizzlies by 28 points. They got their matchup with Brooklyn. And the same team that had knocked them out of the first round five games in five games, that was last year, that decision pretty good right now and the Celtics they say they're not ducking anyone obviously the final day some teams did what they did and we had to win you know because we could still go from two to four and so we still have things to play for but the overall message uh, that I'm going to give the team and, and that they relay back to me is uh, we're not scared of anybody I'm not going to run from anybody it was pretty cool for a coach to include us as a unit you know in that decision making you know and stuff like that and we all came to the conclusion that, like, look, man, if we wanna if we wanna do something special, ain't no shortcuts. So many people thought that we should have tried to play somebody else in the first round. <laughs> it's funny to us because um, we don't duck or dodge nobody. So, you know, and, and that's part of the game. You know, we we're gonna have to play them eventually. They're not ducking <laughs> anybody. I, I love it. Does this compare at all to the 2008 title team that you were a part of? Yep, because it's a reflection of their coach. And even though you don't want the smoke, you hear these guys telling them that they want the smoke. They went out there and called the Nets out. They want, ah, they wanted the smoke. Hey, look, I'm telling you, this mentality of this Celtic team, I'm rocking with them. I'm going to tell you something real quick. We was at KG uh, ceremony, retirement ceremony, and I saw those guys and it had their full attention and I just heard the whistle was a saying that's motivation man I want to I want to win one I want to go out there yeah yeah uh, uh, they want it okay all right let's bring yeah, back Tim Legler into this conversation because Jason Tatum he seemed to have elevated his game to a new level in this series what did you see from him well, this is what he's done, Malika. He's added every platform as a scorer, and that's what we are waiting for, the ascension of Jason Tatum. Mid-range catch and shoot, deep catch and shoot, mid-range off the dribble, deep off the dribble, and then in the post and footwork. He's got it all now, and I'll show you a couple examples from this game. And I love, first of all, Ime Udoka has done such a great job. One of the biggest things he has done as a head coach is he puts in wrinkles to make it easier for his star player to get some space at the start of possession. So here you see a little brush screen starting Tatum under, Tatum under the basket. And all this is trying to design to do is get his defender off of him a little bit. So he comes up here, he's going to set a screen on Kyrie Irving, and then he's going to flare right here. That's exactly the action they're looking to get. And what they want ultimately is to get a switch to get a smaller defender onto him in Kyrie Irving. That's who they're targeting. So we take a look. There's the brush screen. Comes up, set this. Now here's what I want you to focus on. Jason Tatum, as he comes off of this, he is backpedaling at first. And I love this. He's backpedaling to the spot. But watch what happens. And the ball's in the air. When he catches it, he's already turned his body. He's perfectly square. He has now got his eyes locked on the rim on the catch. And more importantly, he's got a small defender on him, so he knows he's got freedom of mind to go up. It's not going to be contested. Mid-range catch and shoot. Well-designed play, perfectly executed. Here's the next one. This is him operating in the short ISO or post area with the footwork. Comes up the floor. This really doesn't look like it's anything at first. 
I mean, you got a wall of defenders. You got four guys lined up above the foul line. He recognizes that. All right, let me operate against a 6'4 Bruce Brown. Get into the post. Look how he hesitates here. Here's what he's looking for. He wants to know one of these two guys coming. He's waiting patiently. If they come, it's an easy kick out. He just waits and waits. Neither guy comes. Here's the best part. He turns, pivots. Mm. It looks like he's going to a fadeaway jumper perk by stepping out. And what ooh, that does, ooh, he ooh, freezes ooh. both of these guys. And what he really wants to do is fake that and then up and under to the rim. And that's exactly how he finishes it. Great footwork Kobe-like in the post. And then finally, the deep shot off the dribble. Read the situation. Take the shot that is required. This is what superstars do. Here he comes. Ball screen. He's going to take a look at these two guys. The guy guarding him, the guy guarding the screener. Tice is going to set this screen. He's going to read right now what Kevin Durant is going to do. Is he going to go under? Is he going to fight over the top? That's the guy he's watching. Run it. He goes under. So now he knows he's got space. He's got both defenders back off the ball. He's going to rise up. Here's the last part. Look at this form, Malika and Perk. He must have gone to my basketball camp. That thing looks beautiful <laughs> on the release. I mean, you can't draw it up any better. Eyes it up from 27, drains it. There is no situation now that is a win for the defense by trying to make Jason Tatum go to a weakness because he doesn't have any. That's what true superstars do. That's where Jason Tatum is taking his game, and he did it against the one guy he needed to to establish himself as a true superstar in this league, Kevin Durant. Jason Tatum is sensational right now. I mean, he looked like he took his game to another level. Tim Legler, thank you so much. We played hard, but they played much harder. That's just a fact. They were aggressive tonight. You know what I mean? They came out, made all the big plays. They are trying to put something on these sons' minds. I would be better game, game five, gotta be. He's come through so many times for us, but it's probably me leaning on him way too much. We just gotta get back home, handle our business at home. All right, here's where we stand on this series. The Pelicans, they're averaging more points while the Suns are averaging more assists and shooting better from the field. However, Phoenix is shooting just 29% from three after being a top 10 team during the regular season. So huge game tonight in Phoenix. Winner of game five in a best of seven series. It's tied at two, goes on to win 82% of the time. So big perk, starting with you, who you got? I'm going with Brandon Ingram, the best player in this series, and the Pelicans to win this game tonight and the series. I'm doubling down on it. Tim Legler? That's bold. I'm going to go with Phoenix at home. I think they set some screens to get some of that pressure off of Chris Paul in the backcourt. And I think Brandon Inger is going to see something different with coverage tonight. He is a little too comfortable for Monty Williams. I like Phoenix at home. All right, gentlemen, we're going to shift gears here because the producer's in my ear with some major breaking news here in the last few minutes. Jimmy Butler, he's out tonight for mm. Heat Hawks Game 5. The Heat themselves just announced this, and Tim Bontemps confirmed it's due to right knee inflammation. Wow. All right. We're going to get to that on the other side of this. But when we return, a special edition of Top of the Top, fully dedicated to the most improved player of the year award winner, John ja Morant. We're back. G12. ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, 
and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Capital One. NBA Today is presented by PNC Bank. See how we can make a difference. Minnesota has tied up this first round series at two games apiece. I'm disrespectful just like they disrespectful. I think uh, Memphis fans uh, ignites uh, my game because they talk so much trash. Anthony Edwards, not afraid of the moment. Three-game series now. They got a good home record, but we do too. Are we ready for this moment? All right, so here's how the Timberwolves and the Grizzlies series is shaping up. Memphis is averaging more points and shooting better from the field. However, Minnesota is averaging nearly nine blocks per game. That's the most by any team this postseason. So John Morant, he's your 21-22 Kia's most improved player. But instead of keeping the award, he sent it to his teammate Desmond Bain. Kirk, what do you think? Man, it don't get more realer than this. You know what I mean? Like, he's been talking about Desmond Bain should have won most improved. And look, it's no disrespect to the award, but John Moran is not trying to win most improved. He's trying to win the MVP. Shout out to G12 for holding like being the true leader. All right, we got to close out the show with a special jaw theme, top of the top, powered by Coinbase. So, Perk, we're calling this the most jaw dropping moments. You yep. get it? Yeah, I. Can we just, can we just, I mean, sit back and just let it roll? I mean, this one, you already know what's coming. This is uh, incredible. Jordaness. The athleticism, the not, vision. Not giving up on the play after you turn it over. You know what that is. I love all the faces yeah, of everyone absolutely. in the crowd going, oh! One more time. Uh, uh, and right. keeping it in play. Top energy. Because it's a windmill, you get it? Like energy, windmill. All right, never mind. All right, let's go, I liked it. Watch this. Oh! Oh, my goodness. Look at that. Uh, um, listen, and for his size, too. Uh, listen, this is happening during the game, okay? <laughs> you got to love this kid. That is your most improved player. All right, I do want to revisit the news really quickly before we go. We have one, Steph Curry not on a minutes restriction mm. tonight. Number two, no Jimmy Butler. This is a big deal, Kendrick Perkins. It is a huge deal. Tyler Hero, where you at? You said you wanted your name to be mentioned with Luca and all those other guys we be mentioning. John Morantz, this is your opportunity to step up and carry this team because Jimmy Butler was doing his thing before he got injured today. Yeah, no Jimmy Butler for the Heat and the Hawks. They're looking to get back in this series. NFL Live is coming up next. Thank you for hanging with us here on NBA Today, and we'll be back tomorrow. Way to go, Big Perk. Way to go.
Can I tell you guys my fear? Tell us what your fear this? is. Inside, Tatum spins. My fear is that the Celtics may have figured something out. Do you remember what happened game one between the Heat and the Bucks last year? It was a great game. Chris Middleton had to hit a buzzer beater, I think 0.5 seconds left on the clock. Middleton with two, Middleton, you bet! I was like, oh my God, this is going to be epic. This is going to be excellent. And then they folded for the rest of the series. Redemption for the Bucks. they sweep Miami. Well why, the, why is the camera on me? It shouldn't be on me. Hey, move that camera to Malika for speaking that gospel. Is this is this how I do it? Do I kick? That's Ooh. right. That's right. That's Ooh. right. That's right. Shine. Because look, when you made that statement, all I was hearing was, oh, she don't know what she's talking about. Women don't know the game like that. And you went out there and did exactly, they went out there and did exactly what Malika Andrews said they was going to do and more. They got swept. Do and, I get to say it? Hold on, hold on. Let me kick mine up with you. Go do ahead. I get to say it? Go ahead. Carry on. <laughs> Attention closed captioning personnel. The show you are captioning has concluded. Thank you for your services. Attention closed captioning personnel. The show you are captioning has concluded. Thank you for your services. ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Allstate.